0: thank you once again for the warm welcome it's good to be here to represent the work and witness of the trinitarian bible society mention was made regarding jarvis brook chapel last sunday i had opportunity to go to visit my mother in crowborough and uh, i was able to go down to the chapel for the evening service there were 18 people present at the service and one lady had simply come in because she'd noticed that a new work had begun and that was quite encouraging and we are thankful for the way the Lord is showing evidence of his blessing already upon the work that is being done. Well, I'm thankful that we have this opportunity to think about the Word of God, the spread of God's Word, the need for faithful and accurate translations of the Holy Scriptures. And TBS has been working in this way for 190 years and hasn't changed in its ambition to provide accurate copies of the Word of God in as many languages As we possibly can. I trust we all agreed on this that we believe Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. Therefore, due consideration has to be given to each word of Holy Scripture in the Hebrew and the Greek and translate that as carefully as we can into the target language. Now, last year, the Society was able to publish and distribute 4.3 million Scripture items translated into 38 languages and sent forth to 108 countries. So this is a worldwide endeavor of promoting the word of God among the nations of the earth. Now I have a letter here, encouraging letter from Romania. Uh, some years ago we revised our Romanian Bible because we wanted it to be more accurate, to conform more closely to the original tongues. And we sent a large quantity to a cancer clinic run by Christians in the city of Cluj. And this was an interesting report. Dear friends at TBS, we acknowledge with thanks the receipt of the Romanian Bibles and New Testaments. We give accommodation to cancer patients who come to the Cluj clinics for radiotherapy and chemotherapy treatments. They stay with us as it is too far, than, far for them to travel in each day for a 15-minute treatment. We offer free transport to the clinic. We have many opportunities to share our faith with them and help them understand how to cope with their illness and recuperation. We place a Bible in each of their bedrooms and when they leave us, we present them with a Bible and a plant pot with a plant in it and John 3 verse 16 is inscribed on the plant pot. They are always ready to receive these gifts and we pray that the Word of God May have an impact on them even after they leave us and return to their homes. Well, I was quite touched by that, the compassion and the concern they're showing and uh, trying to help them in practical ways, but also to point them to Jesus and to give them the word of God as they return to their homes. Now, of course, this year has been a very special year in many ways. ...regarding the Platinum Jubilee. In a sense, it's been overshadowed, I suppose, by the death of the Queen. But nevertheless, this has been a very significant year... ...an opportunity for spreading God's Word... ...particularly amongst children in schools. Now, TBS has published a large quantity of special Platinum Jubilee Bibles... ...and uh, we've been encouraging pastors and elders and churches... ...to reach out to their local community to see if the door might open for the presentation of God's word to a younger generation. We've been so encouraged by this because all 40,000 have been purchased for presentation. And uh, we hope another 10,000 will soon arrive. We trust that because of the death of the Queen, it may perhaps make people think afresh about the Platinum Jubilee Bibles they were given back in the summer. And we trust that many children who perhaps have sort of forgotten about them, they're gathering dust, may pick them up again and start to read the word of God. So we published 40,000 copies, and it's a, a wonderful opportunity for presenting the scriptures. In the town of Bedford, we've been quite encouraged. we made contact with quite a large number of primary schools. About half of them said no. Very much depends on the attitude of the head teacher. But the other half said yes in varying quantities. One school wanted just five, one for each uh, classroom. Uh, Another uh, school said they'd like 32, enough for each child in a particular class in our lesson to look at the Bible. Other schools wanted larger quantities. One school wanted 120, another 497, and another 530. And we were able to go to these schools and to speak to the children about the Word of God. We believe that's important to do that because it's not just a case of supplying Bibles and the children going home thinking it's a kind of memento or keepsake. They need to be reminded this is the Word of God. God speaks to us through his Word. As the famous Puritan Thomas Watson used to say, the Old and the New Testaments are the two lips by which God speaks to us. They need to know this is a book to be read again and again and again. Let us not forget that today's children are going to be tomorrow's parents and grandparents and tradespeople, business people, maybe counsellors and magistrates and judges and politicians. Who knows what they may become? But if through the word of God being placed in their hands and God blesses it to them and brings them to newness of life, they'll become godly young men and godly young women as they take their place in society. We pray for better days. We labour for better days. And this is one way in which we are able to do this. The opportunity is still there. In the day in which we live, to go to schools, at least in some sc- cases, to present God's Word. Now, one school on the outskirts of Bedford, a, a little village called Shortstown, the head teacher declined the offer of a Bible for each pupil because they were a bit nervous because there were some Muslim families at the school. But the suggestion was put to her maybe it would be a good idea to contact the parents to see if they would like their child to have a Bible, and in the end, 40 Bibles were made available for that school, and some Muslim families had a Bible. In fact, one of the mothers was so fascinated in having a Bible that she said that she was going to go to a garden party at Buckingham Palace and going to get the Queen to sign it. Well, uh, that was rather overambitious. but uh, that of course that was back in, in June, the, uh, the special Jubilee weekend, But we're thankful for the openings and the thankfulness there is for the Word of God in those locations. Now, I have a letter here from friends in Cambridgeshire, and they were placing gospel literature outside their home and offering free Bibles. We thought you'd be interested and encouraged to hear about a small scripture distribution in the Platinum Jubilee weekend. My wife and I put out a small table near the entrance to our driveway, with some gospel literature and offering a free commemorative Bible from TBS. Almost all the gospel literature was taken and a few people called at our door to ask for one of the Bibles, including a young mother with her children and a man who was walking his dog. In fact, this man came back a few days after for a conversation and seemed to be sincerely seeking. We were able to put him in touch with our church minister who has now visited him and reports that he is asked to attend an evangelistic course for inquirers. Thanks be to God, who has promised that his word will not return unto him void. I'm sure we're all encouraged to hear those kinds of reports. Now, over the years, I've gone to the Isle of Wight, usually once a year to speak in the churches about TBS and also to go to the schools where openings come up and one school I've been going to for quite a number of years, it's called Broadley School near Sandelm and some years ago I had quite a pile of letters come to my home address after a visit and the children were so pleased to have Bibles and one boy, he was, his name was Toby he was just 11 then and he wrote to say, it was very nice of you to give away Bibles for free, thank you very much I would treasure my holy Bible like it's the crown jewels I thought that was rather special and far as I know Toby didn't come from a Christian family and the school was just an ordinary state school but nevertheless he was very glad to have his own Bible and we hope he's still reading his Bible. Now <coughs> this year marks the 300th anniversary of the birth of John Brown of Haddington. Now you may be saying why do I need to know that and who was John Brown anyway? Well let me fill you in he was born in 1722 in Scotland in a poor family. Sadly, at the age of 12, he'd been orphaned of both of his parents, and during his teenage years, he looked after sheep to earn a living. And it was during those years he was converted. He first heard a sermon, and it made him realize that he wasn't a believer, that he wasn't one of God's people. And he went on an, in an agony of soul for some long time before he heard a, a gospel message from Isaiah 53 concerning the substitutionary work of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it was a liberating experience for him. As a result, he had a great love for God's word, and he wanted to learn the Greek language, which he did while he's looking after sheep. Sounds rather unusual, but that's what he did. He had a great um, ability in languages. He eventually became fluent in 11 different languages. After some years, he'd saved enough money to purchase his own copy of a Greek New Testament, so he set off at midnight, walked all the way to St. Andrew's University, and in the morning went into the university bookroom to purchase a Greek New Testament. One of the university professors was there and was rather surprised to find a shepherd boy asking for a Greek New Testament. And he opened a Greek New Testament and said to John Brown, if you can read this page, you can have this free of charge. And John Brown was very pleased to take away a free Greek New Testament on those terms. He went on to become a professor of divinity and a pastor for 36 years at Haddington, that's about 18 miles east of Edinburgh. Now, he's particularly remembered for his self-interpreting Bible. And he spent a tremendous amount of time and years searching the scriptures because he believed, which I trust you believe as well, that scripture interprets scripture. And it's for us to compare one scripture with another to seek to know the mind of the Spirit. And it is said that he wore out five Bibles in the process of thumbing through the pages trying to compare one scripture with another and devise a very comprehensive reference system. Now, TBS has incorporated that reference system into our Westminster Reference Bible. There's over 200,000 references in our Westminster Bible. And uh, we have them three different sizes. You'll see them on the tables down the far end. And you have two margins on each page to allow room for all the references. I found it very, very helpful in, in searching the scriptures and coming to a deeper understanding of God's word. Also, you have very helpful chapter summaries, just a, a sort of a brief summary of the heading of each chapter, which gives you sort of an overview of the chapter and its contents. Also, where you may have an unusual word in the main text of the scripture. There's an explanation for that word in the margin next to the verse where you might need it. And at the back, there's a new range of colored maps, informational weights, measures, and currencies, and a concordance. So it's a very comprehensive Bible. You can buy uh, a mid-range, a hardback edition for just £16.50. We have a large print and a compact size as well. If you want to pay more, you can buy the leather-bound edition, which is a very nice, supple leather, I commend that to you. Do have a look at the Westminster Reference Bible after this meeting. Now, another way in which we try to make God's Word available is by the production of scripture calendars. And you may be aware that TBS has two types of calendar. First of all, the simple words of life calendar with a verse of scripture for every month of the year. And we choose these scriptures carefully because we want to get across to people the need for salvation and the way in which salvation has been provided in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So during the course of the year, that's what we try to get across to people. This is a very useful evangelistic tool, and if people put up a calendar in their home, there is a testimony for the Lord 365 days in a year. Who knows who may come into that home during the course of the year. So quite apart from the residents of that home, God may use it for the blessing of many, many people. Now, TBS produce many thousands of these calendars every year in quite a variety of languages. It's quite possible that you have friends or neighbours and English isn't their first language. Go to our website. You may find that we have a calendar in their first language, and I'm sure they'd be delighted to receive it. Many people receive a calendar even if they might turn down a New Testament or a Gospel of John. Because it has a practical use, they they may receive it simply on those terms, But the wonderful thing is God may speak to them through having this on display in their homes. Now, I heard a lovely uh, report uh, only last October. I was taking a meeting at uh, Welshpool, uh, New Street uh, Baptist Chapel, Welshpool. After the meeting, a lady came up to me, and she said that she didn't speak Welsh, but she was trying to learn the language. And she said her father-in-law before the COVID outbreak and the pandemic, had no interest whatsoever in the things of God. He was completely indifferent and apathetic to the message. Then he caught the coronavirus, and that was the means of shaking him. And he then became more open to hearing about the things of God. So on a regular basis, she would take with her the Welsh TBS Words of Life calendar, and very carefully she would try to pronounce the words of each verse of scripture for each month. And God used that to bring light and life and salvation to that old man's heart. And it's believed that he came to know the Lord savingly before he passed away. Just the words of a calendar the Lord used for his salvation. From time to time, we hear some quite striking testimonies. Uh, One was from uh, a man who goes to Lewis Prison in Sussex to speak to the men in prison and he'd been distributing TBS English Words of Life calendars, and he knew of at least one conversion as a result of those calendars. It may be more, but who knows, but there was at least one that he heard about who had been converted. Another calendar we produce is the simple Golden Thoughts calendar. It has a verse of Scripture for every day of the year. This has a very interesting history. Now, going back to 1905 a lady by the name of Miss Amy Young attended a gospel mission at the Royal Albert Hall in London. It was the means of her conversion. As a result of her conversion, she became concerned about spreading God's truth, so she purchased large quantities of Bible verse calendars. This went on year after year after year, and then in 1940, so this is the Second World War, a bomb dropped on her printer's premises in the heart of London. She is now faced with a problem, what could be done? She felt a persuasion that somehow the work must go on. So she prayerfully searched the scriptures, trying to find suitable verses for 1941. One of her brothers, who had some experience in design, laid out the format of her calendar. So in that first year, 1941, a thousand Golden Thoughts calendars were produced, and the work just expanded from there onwards. By 1969, she felt she was getting too old to carry on. So she approached the Trinitarian Bible Society to see if we'd be interested in taking on this project, it was agreed that we'd do so, but she made one stipulation, and that was that the Golden Thoughts calendar in English must stay in exactly the same format as 1941. So if you ever look at this and think, isn't it about time they changed the typeface? Well, we can't do that because of the special arrangement, but we can when it comes to foreign translation. So this is one example of how we change things as we think fit. And uh, God has been pleased to use these calendars for the spiritual well-being of many, many people. We receive lots of letters of appreciation from all around the world. And there are many believers who say this is a great help to them because they read the verse of the day, first thing in the morning, then they follow the advice at the bottom of the page where it says, for further blessings, read the whole chapter. So, people are reading whole chapters because they're being prompted to do so by this calendar. And, of course, they're seeing the verse for the day in its context, which, of course, is important. Let me tell you one striking account of God's blessing regarding this calendar. Uh, Some years ago, there was a lady who was expecting a baby. She was driving her car, her husband was the passenger, and uh, her little boy was in the back of the car. There was a terrible accident. A man under the influence of drink pulled out in front of her. The end result was that she lost the baby she was carrying. Her husband and the little boy were also killed. Now, a lady over in Essex heard about this and sent her an English Golden Thoughts calendar. In the midst of her sorrows, that lady came to know the joy of salvation through the word of life on the calendars. Now, there's an interesting sequel to this. She put the calendar up on her wall at home. One day, there was a knock at the door. When she opened the door, there was a down and out standing there. Now, I don't know whether she knew this man or not, but she invited him in, and he caught sight of the calendar. He wanted to know what it was. She explained that this was a calendar with Bible verses for each day. He was so interested that, in the end, she agreed to conduct a Bible study with him and some of his friends. So when the day arrived, she opened the door to her surprise, they were all standing there with Bibles tucked under their arms. She said, where'd you get them from? Oh, we nicked them from the church down the road. So she made contacts with the church, explained what had happened, and the church said, well, we know, knew about it already because we caught them on CCTV. But if they want them, they can have them. So in these rather unusual circumstances, a Bible study commenced. And God wonderfully blessed those opportunities for teaching the word of God and opening up the gospel plan and uh, a new church has been formed as a direct result of God's blessing on those opportunities don't forget where it began just a golden thoughts calendar on the wall of someone's home to whom it had been a blessing so I commend these calendars to you There are plenty uh, for sale the golden thoughts are just 45p and the words of life 78p I'd like to move on to some of the translation projects TBS is involved in. Now, translation, of course, is a very important part of our work. But I think it's appropriate to say a few words about the Ukraine at the present time, because, of course, we've all been very concerned about the terrible situation that has existed in that country for the last many months. Now, the Ukraine is one of the largest European countries. It became independent in 1991. It's often referred to as the global breadbasket because it's been one of the largest grain exporters. It literally has millions of acres of fertile soil. Now, that's all been very much interrupted, and uh, aid agencies in Africa are very concerned about feeding the hungry in that great continent. It's always a a challenge, always a difficulty, but it's going to be much harder this year. Now, going back to the end of February, just after hostilities broke out, I had two phone calls. And both people were saying the same thing. We've heard they've run out of Bibles in the Ukraine. Can TBS do anything to help? So we opened up a special fund, and as a result of contributions made to that fund, we've been able to supply scriptures for displaced people. It's hard getting things into Ukraine itself, but there are over many millions of people, of course, in Romania and um, Moldova and Slovakia and Poland who came from Ukraine, and uh, TBS have been able to supply scriptures for them. Now we have a complete Bible available in the Ukrainian language. This was translated in the 1800s. It was the first time the whole of the Bible was translated into the Ukrainian tongue. And this translation is of use primarily for people in the western part of the country. The language varies across central and eastern Ukraine. And some years ago we published 10,000 copies And it took as much as five years before just half of those were purchased for distribution. But as soon as hostilities broke out, the rest were in immediate demand. And it's often the case, isn't it, when people's lives are turned upside down, then they're much more open to hearing about God's word. In addition to publishing another 15,000 of these Bibles, uh, we have, if I can find it, we have also published uh, the Gospel of John as a separate publication and it's the first time we published the Gospel of John in Ukrainian as a separate publication. 15,000 copies have all been purchased to be passed on to people who are in need. In addition, we can reach people with Russian scriptures. Uh, a, a majority of people in the Ukraine still read and speak Russian if they want to. And uh, we have Russian scriptures in various formats, large print and small print and medium print, Gospels of John, New Testaments, and so on. So there's capacity and scope for reaching large numbers of people with the word of God in these troublous times in that part of the world. And we value your prayers regarding God's blessing concerning the spread of God's word in that part of the world. But one more translation I have time to mention briefly, and that is the scriptures for the Persian-speaking people, or if you like, Farsi. Farsi and Persian mean effectively the same thing. Now, Persia is a kingdom we read of in the Bible, of course. We read of Cyrus the Persian, and some of God's people alive at the time, like Ezra and Esther and Nehemiah, and so forth. Now, Persia was renamed Iran in 1935. It's the largest of the Gulf states with a population of around about 80 million. And as you might imagine, about 98% of the population are Muslim. So Christians in Iran find themselves very much in a minority position and often oppressed and persecuted. It's a sobering fact that tonight as we speak, there are Christians in prison for daring to read the TBS Gospel of John in Persian. That's their only supposed crime. They may be in prison for up to three years for reading the Word of God. Now, TBS has published tens of thousands of these over the years, and they've been greatly in demand, and uh, the Lord is is working through his word in that part of the world. The church in Iran, in spite of all the persecution, is the fastest growing church anywhere in the world, on average 5.2% year on year. Now I was speaking to an Iranian Christian, a young man, not so long ago. He was telling me there are a lot of young people in Iran who have become quite disenchanted with the Revolutionary Guard also, they've been looking into the sources of Islam and they don't like what they see. And some of these people are literally throwing away their Qurans. I've seen photographs of bonfires of Qurans. I've seen uh, videos of Qurans being washed up on the seashore because people are just throwing them away. They've had enough. They're calling themselves ex Muslims. not Christians necessarily, but calling themselves ex-Muslims. But there's an openness amongst these people to the word of God. I believe the TBS, Farsi or Persian New Testament has come at the right time. We've published 15,000 copies and these have made their way into Iran and other parts of the world where the Farsi language is spoken. Our translator had the most wonderful opportunity some time ago at a church in Liverpool and he said it was a a large congregation, he said at least 90% of the people weren't Christians, many were ex-Muslims, but they were hearing the gospel and hearing about the word of God. And we value your prayers regarding the spread of these scriptures amongst these Iranian people and people in Turkey and also Saudi Arabia where the Farsi language is spoken. Our translator, he lives in this country, he's a pastor in Gloucestershire, and uh, He's been a tr- doing a tremendous work over the years. He's working on the Old Testament translation. He's a very busy man. If you know him, Puyam Mashahi, and uh, we're thankful for his partnership with the TBS. And some years ago, he was recording gospel messages in the Persian tongue in his garden shed, and they have been broadcast into Saudi Arabia and Turkey and other such places. And he was offering free copies of the Gospel of John. He even had requests from Saudi Arabia, it's a very closed country, that people were hearing the message of grace. It's becoming more difficult for these oppressive regimes to filter out the message of God's word through social media or through radio broadcasting. So do please pray for us regarding God's blessing upon this tremendous work of spreading the word for the Persian speaking people we hope it will not be too long before the old testament is complete so the whole bible in an accurate form will be available for these people well let me just remind you one or two things regarding the book table do help yourself to our quarterly record and annual report there's lots of good bedtime reading for you to take away with you and it may be that uh, you have friends and they're Christians, but they don't know about the work of TBS. Do take an extra copy for them. It may be a blessing to them. And interestingly, tomorrow at our headquarters in London, we're holding a special text and translation day. We have a good lineup of speakers. We're going to speak about the issues regarding translation, the importance of a good textual basis in translation. John Thackway is one of the speakers, Jeff, Dr. Jeff Riddle. Uh, from Virginia. He's one of the speakers as well. Pooja Mashahi regarding the Persian scriptures and uh, Bill Green Knight from Grand Rapids. And we are very thankful for these good men who have been willing to come and speak to us regarding these important issues. Now, it may be that you can't attend. I understand that may not be possible, but these sessions will be recorded and I trust that you'll be able to listen in to them perhaps some other time on our website Or by some other means. So I commend that to you, to your prayers. If you cannot attend, we value your interest regarding these things. Well, we're going to turn now to the Word of God, and we open our Bibles at John's Gospel and chapter 3. A very familiar part of God's Word, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Take up the reading at verse 11. Here are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to Nicodemus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen. And ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven... But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I want us to focus upon verse 16, a verse very well known to us all. It may be that you know this verse by heart, not necessarily because you deliberately learned it, but simply because you've heard it quoted so frequently or you've heard it preached from, Maybe you were acquainted with it in Sunday school days and somehow it's just remained in your memory. That's a very good thing, if that is the case. Now, <coughs> Martin Luther used to say concerning John 3, verse 16, that it's the Bible in miniature because you've got many biblical truths concerning the Gospel compressed in one concise statement. Now, in the year 1878... Cleopatra's needle was re-erected on the Thames embankment. It had been brought over from Alexandria and it was placed on the Thames embankment. And they placed 217 translations of John 3, verse 16 underneath the foundation stone. Now, you may be aware of this. The Victorians placed all sorts of things under foundation stones in those days, But nevertheless, in placing all those translations of John 3 verse 16, they were saying something important, weren't they? That this is a very significant verse for every individual all around the world, whatever language they speak. Now, since those days, many more translations have been produced. Possibly as many as 2,000 languages have John 3 verse 16 in those languages. So here then is a verse of universal importance to every individual around the world. And I want to consider this verse with you under three headings. First of all, we notice the giver. The giver is God. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, it's true to say, isn't it, that gifts reflect something of the wealth of the giver. I know there are exceptions to that rule. Um, A rich person might give rather stingily and give very little, and a poor person may give very sacrificially. But generally speaking, it's true that gifts reflect the wealth of the giver. And this is most certainly true concerning this gift. God gave that which was dearest to his own heart. He gave his utmost. God couldn't have given more than he gave in giving his son, as the The Apostle John reminds us in his first epistle, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And uh, (coughs) notice the motivation for giving. It was love. God so loved the world that he gave love to a lost world, a ruined world, a world in a state of enmity and rejection of him. But such is his love he gave his Son. Now, there's a beautiful illustration of this in the Old Testament. You think of the life of Joseph. His father loved him dearly. And one day he called to Joseph. Jacob said to him, I want you to go and find your brothers. And so dutifully and obediently, Joseph went off to find them. He couldn't seem to find them. They seemed to be lost brethren. When he did find them, they took counsel to kill him. And they changed their minds and threw him into a pit then later they sold him into the hands of the Gentiles, the Midianite merchantmen. He went down to Egypt where he served faithfully in the house of Potiphar. Then he was falsely accused and thrown into prison. And uh, he was there for some time. It seemed to drag on for so long. And God gave him the ability to interpret dreams for the butler and the baker. And in the end, after a long time, that was the means whereby he was released from prison because one night Pharaoh had two strange dreams, two very strange dreams. He couldn't understand what they could possibly mean. And then <clears throat> the butler remembered Joseph. Joseph hurriedly was brought from prison into Pharaoh's presence, and he interpreted, with God's help, he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh. Seven years of plenty were coming, followed by seven years of famine. Joseph was the man raised up by God to show Pharaoh and the Egyptians what to do. So he was exalted to Pharaoh's right hand. He was the prime minister of Egypt. Now, I tell you this because Pharaoh gave to Joseph a strange name, or at least it sounds strange to our ears. The name was zaphnath Pioneer." One of the meanings of that name is savior of the world, because in a providential sense, that is what Joseph became. As the nations round about and the Egyptians were pinched with famine, They came to Joseph, and he opened the storehouses to provide for their needs. Now, this is a lovely picture then of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was loved to his father like Joseph was. He was sent on a mission to find lost brethren. He was hated. They plotted to kill him. And as you well know, the, the Jews rejected him utterly, and ultimately he was put to death, sent to the prison house of death. But he was raised again. And like Pharaoh, he was uh, anointed and exalted to the Father's right hand. He is the saviour of the world. That's the wonder of the message of grace in the Gospel. The heavenly Joseph, if you like, the greater than Joseph, is seen in that remarkable account. And the love of God is behind this great gift. Notice the intensity of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's an old hymn that puts it like this. Love everlasting has not spared its best beloved son, and in him endless life prepared for souls by sin undone. So secondly, we move on to notice the gift. We've noticed God the Father, the giver. Secondly, we notice the gift. There's an interesting story told of a little boy, I think he's about five years of age, walking down a road in New York with his father. His father was holding his hand, and the little boy noticed this is about the Second World War period. The little boy noticed in the front window of some of these homes there was a star illuminated. He wanted to know what that meant, and his father explained this indicated that this home had given up one of their sons for the war effort. So he kept looking at these different homes and the stars and then they got to the end of the row of terrace houses and he looked up into the night sky and saw a bright shining star and he gasped, oh daddy, look, God has given his son. Well, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, how wonderfully true it is. God has given his son to be the saviour of sinners. Now, The interesting thing is this. In the English Bible, we have the word only begotten son. It's important to retain that word begotten. Begotten of the Father, the eternal son of God, eternally begotten. Our our minds can't grasp or explain that, but it's wonderfully true. He's always been the son of the Father. In the French Bible, they use the word unique. It's the closest you can get to it in French to say, own begotten, God's unique Son. Now you think of that, the unique Son. There's no one else like the Lord Jesus Christ. He is unique because he was the pure, perfect man, utterly uh, separate from sinners and undefiled. Also, he is unique because he is the God-man. He is the divine Saviour. So God's unique Son was sent to this world to be the Saviour. Now, what was the purpose of God sending his son into this world? Well, the context makes it very clear, doesn't it? And you find the Lord Jesus is referring you back to that Old Testament incident when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and they kept murmuring and complaining against God and against Moses. And God judged them by sending fiery serpents to bite them. Some of them died as a result. But Moses was told the remedy. He was to make a a brass serpent. His shining uh, brass snake was to be set on a pole and held aloft. And those who looked, they lived. Some may have been very close to the point of death. Their eyes nearly closed in death. But if only they looked, they lived. Some may have been on the far reaches of the camp. But if only they looked, they lived. Now this was Old Testament typology. This was picture language for the glorious salvation that should be brought into this world through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus makes the connection and the application. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, only quite recently, in fact last week, I was preaching in the Welsh Valleys, in the Rhonda Valley. And I remember going there some years ago, and I was reminded of a very sad incident that happened. Going back to the year 1986, this country experienced a very hard winter. It was the same over in Wales. And one night, one dark night, there was a bus driver full of miners. They'd finished their shift uh, for the day and the driver was very carefully making his way down a steep, winding, icy road. As he did so, a little deaf boy ran out into the road. In a split second, the driver had to make a decision. If he braked or swerved, he knew very likely the bus would go over the ravine and all would be lost. If he carried on, he feared that little boy might be run over. He decided the only thing he could do was to carry on. That little boy was run over and that little boy was killed. But all those miners reached their home safely that night. But what they didn't know at the time was that little boy was the son of the driver. He'd given up his son to save others. Now you think of how wonderfully true it is here in this verse God gave up his son to agony and to death, the death of the cross. incomprehensible suffering, body, soul, and mind and spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ went through. But he did that, that sinners like you and me may reach that home of heaven safe at last. Now we move on to the last consideration. We've noticed the giver, God the Father, we've noticed this, the, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The blessing is for believers, and for believers only. Now notice the word perish. Don't underestimate that word. What a terrible thing, to perish eternally. It's not speaking about oblivion. It's not talking about annihilation or non-existence. It means to perish from the presence of the Lord, to be in that place where there's everlasting destruction under the wrath and condemnation and judgment of God forevermore in hell. But the believer is relieved and released from this condemnation here in this life as they are brought to believe and trust alone in Jesus Christ. Do you remember back in 2012 when there were 33 miners trapped in a Chilean copper mine and the world looked on with bated breath to see what might happen. And first of all a hole was drilled down to the hard granite to send supplies down to them to keep them alive. While at the same time, a much larger hole was going to be drilled down to precisely where they were, and with the help of NASA technology, a special capsule was devised that was going to be sent down to that hole just where these miners were. Now, each of those miners, whatever their fears or phobias might have been, they had to, one by one, entrust themselves to that device and brought up the service to safety. And so it is in Salvation Every individual is brought to that point where they must, of necessity, entrust themselves to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, there's no salvation, there's no blessing, there's no deliverance from the just condemnation of our sins. It's by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ we can be saved from the the bondage and the condemnation and guilt of our sin. I wonder whether you know this salvation, whether you've experienced this salvation if you haven't take to heart these truths consider well what I've said to you tonight these things have to do with a never ending eternity there's a heaven to win and there's a hell to shun and it's this verse that shows you the way it shines a light whereby you may see your way clearly flee to Jesus Christ for salvation there's salvation in no other this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. May it be your testimony that he has saved you from the condemnation of your sins. Now, I bring these things to you because TBS has an evangelistic heart as a motivation for the work that it does. It's not just about trying to make people religious by giving them a Bible to read. The grand ambition of this society is that people might come to know the Saviour, Let me just remind you of one of the written aims of the society on the back of the TBS quarterly record. It says this, to be instrumental in bringing light and life through the gospel of Christ to those who are lost in sin and in the darkness of false religion and unbelief. Well, I very much appreciate this opportunity of sharing these things with you. May God bless you all.